This is Straight Talk in the COVID Economy, and my name is Larry Quick. Our world has changed and there's no going back. The COVID economy is now very real. We are adapting to telework, Zooming, online learning and new industries like PanSafe and other opportunities revealed by COVID-19. The challenges are also with us. Bankruptcies, unemployment, debt and confusion. In Straight Talk in the COVID economy, we meet thinkers and innovators who bring insight and information into the opportunities and risks of our rapidly emerging COVID economy. Straight Talk in the COVID economy is brought to you by Resilient Futures. This is alongside our partner, Impact Africa Network. Impact Africa Network is a non-profit startup studio in Nairobi on a mission to ensure young, talented Africans have a chance at participating in the digital transformation of Africa as creators and owners. If grassroots change is something that excites you, visit www.impactafrica.network. By doing that, you'll be able to support as donors and mentors the Impact Africa Network. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Straight Talk in the COVID Economy. We're very excited to be back, aren't we, Larry? It's been a little while. Um, it's been a couple been of weeks. weeks yeah, four weeks, it has. That's not a long time. I didn't actually. say a long time. It says a little while. There's been a lot of stuff happening since. It's true. There's a lot that's gone on in the world. We might come to that in just a minute. Yes. But in today's... Especially your hair. Yeah, it's, you know, it's you know, doing something. happening with your hair. <laughs> well, can we put that aside? Yes, we shall. We shall. So in terms of today's conversation, we're getting into sustainable value generation which is really what sits at the core of strategy and action, isn't it? It's absolutely critical that people understand and think about what does it look like to sustain value generation as conditions continue to change. And yeah. we're going to cover that in four parts. We're going to look at, well, what do we mean when we talk value generation? Um, why do we talk about value in this way? Why do we think about value in a way that maybe is a bit different to the way that others think about it? Um, then we're going to go through a little bit around what we see as a value equation and really understanding how value works and flows through that equation and in, in our value networks. And then what does it mean when it comes down to values? And, and value, value generation. generation. Yeah. So understanding that values are really critical and, and part of what we're seeing in the world today is more and more a shift to people starting to align decision making with their values and that's pretty important. And that'll be a don't get me started set pit of the session. Yeah. There may be a bit of a, a rant in there. Early on. Yeah. yeah. No, well, not early on. Oh, give me a rant any time, mate. <laughs> the Rivervale boy loves the Rivervale yeah, rant. You do love a rant. But I'm just looking at the program for today and values and value generation. If I look at some of the BS values that are put up by some organization that go out as value propositions mm. and then they want to generate value and they want it to be sustainable mm -hmm. and they, they outsource that to some advertising agency to come up with some glib clip yep. of, you know... A bit of spin doctoring, really. Spin doctoring, yes, mm. but... It's more than spin. It's sort of like, you know, um, it's false promises. Lacks, lacks authenticity. Yeah, and you want sustainable value generation to be at the core of an organization because mm. that's, the, that's the end game. Yeah. And we're finding it more difficult because of disruptive change. Mm. And when, you know, when the, 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 all of the information goes out the window in disruptive change, what you're left with is... Um, now, you can't rely on what you're relying on before because it's been disrupted. Yeah. So all the knowledge you had and all the, is up for grabs. You know, not all of it's gone, but it's, it's, it's tested. 
And people are going, well, what do we do? Just look at COVID. COVID occurs and everyone goes, well, do I go to work? I don't go to work. Mm. Basic stuff like that. The square metre economy is like, what do we charge for rent? Well, we're not using the space anymore. Or, you know, we're in lockdown or whatever. So everyone's sort of in this state of confusion and disorientation that happens in disruption. So it's values. It's the only thing that keeps us together. So almost a bit of an anchoring, right? You can kind your of values are what it. anchors you in the yeah. world. Yeah. If you don't know what you value, you've got a, you've got a big issue. You'd be adrift. Uh, personally, and if you don't know what you value as an organisation, you're adrift as well. But, you know, you talk about what's the value proposition in advertising and they make up this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, bank, more than money. Mm. I'm yet to find a bank that's more than money. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like... I'm already started, yeah, Dave. I'm on it. I think I'm we just, just tamp it down because one of the things yeah. we do want to do, as yeah. we did last time, yeah. is we want to hear from Theo and Max. Yeah. So before we get really into this episode and dig around on what we see as important in thinking around values and value generation, we're going to hear from Theo and Max uh, and they're going to do a little bit of a, here's what's coming next and here's a bit of a view of the world from their perspective as well. So over to you guys, Theo and Max. Take it away. Max and Theo. Thanks, Larry and Dave. It is Max and Theo here, and we are just briefly joining you, interrupting the flow of this podcast to quickly share about some upcoming exciting events and public programs that we at Resilient Futures are offering. Yes. Um, yeah, thanks, Dave and Laz. We have some public programs. Our first one, we have three public programs we're offering. Um, these are ways to, um, to actually becoming SI active and becoming a um, practitioner of the framework. So our first one is a um, online free introduction, just one hour. It's the 17th of June. Um, it's from 12.30 to 1.30. And it's just a very brief overview of strategy and action and how it works. Yeah, so in today's podcast, they're going to really dive into sustainable value generation, which is just one part of the SIA algorithm. But this introduction will go over the whole framework. Um, obviously, there's only an hour, so very briefly, but so you can have a broad understanding of the whole SIA framework altogether. And then from there, we go to um, another program we offer called SIA Foundations. So this is uh, three um, online 90-minute sessions over three weeks. Start date's the um, 14th of July. And as well as this, you'll also have access to our Learning Resilient Futures platform, which will have content such as the module videos, um, yep. some accompanying. You'll also get a copy of the book, Disrupted Strategy for Exponential Change. And so there'll be a bunch of extra content and learning through that online platform, really just covering what are the fundamentals of disruption and strategy in action. Yes, and it's a great pathway in becoming SIA active and actually becoming a practitioner yes, of... Yes, um, a really good first step. Very good first stop. Um, then we go to um, SIA Quick Start, which is a much more facilitated program. So we have uh, Dave and Paul, who, who facilitate the program, over eight weeks. So there's eight online 90-minute sessions, do you? Yes. It's the framework broken down and properly explained and properly facilitated to you so you actually understand how the framework works and the aspects of the framework and how it contributes to your business how to become how to make your business become SIA active and personally yourself so whereas foundations is more about understanding the framework and SIA quick start will really give you the opportunity to practice it apply it Um, and these sessions they're a smaller group so it's really about interacting and collaborating with those peers to put SI into practice. And uh, just one thing I'd like to touch on. So the oh. free intro is free, of course. So it's the one hour and it's free. 
SIA Foundations course is um, two ninety five. Yeah. Inclusive of GST, Australian dollars. And then we go to the quick start, which is the... Uh, yes, yeah, so that is currently at our early bird price of 1295 for the quick start. So if you are interested in coming along to any of those or finding out more information about any three public programs, you can contact us at learning at resilientfutures.com and we'll, we would love to talk to you. Yeah, Theo and I will reach out. Now back to uh, Larry and Dave. Thank you very much. Okay, well, I'd, I'd like to thank Max... And Theo, uh, for, absolutely, yeah. for that beautiful yeah. promo there. But terrific work, I'd, guys. I'd have to call out the fact that you know Max isn't wearing shoes right now. No, he's not. He's he's barefoot, and the reason for that is he's blamed that that he had he was walking around the office in socks, socks, yeah. and my little doggy Missy, who comes to the office sometimes, as does Mac, Dave's dog. Mm-hmm. Um, did a bit of a, a, a whoopee on the floor. Not the big one, just yeah. the watery one. Yeah. And Max stood in it with his socks. So now he's walking around the office just with, with um, his feet, as you do. As you do. So, Max, you might have to put a bag over your feet because they're a little bit smelly. <laughs> anyway, let's get down anyway, to Anyway, so getting Leave into... Me in. shut, so we'll get, shut me up. Well, no, no. So we're going to get into it. I don't think there's rant required here at the start, but we'll just quickly go through a bit of a kind of aligning part of the conversation. When we're talking value, what do we mean? What is value generation all about? And there's a couple of key concepts here. First is just the idea of generation, right, which is active. Yeah. There's energy. There's yeah. actually, you know, use of energy to realize something, to make something yeah. happen. That's a real definition for generation. So when we talk value generation, it's actually about active energy yeah. and energy flowing in systems. Yeah, it's, it's the energy of the organization that generates value. Mm. And it's not. It's sort of you can talk about creating value, and wealth creation or value creation, but it's the generation. It's using the energy of the organisation to make sure that everything you do is generating value. That's right. And it's not just the organisation isolation. It's the energy of the organisation and its value networks, Mm. and really seeing how that works. And we'll come Mm. back to that in a sec. Then, what do we mean by value? Well, value in simple terms is the importance, worth, usefulness of things, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be measured monetarily. Uh, there's a lot of forms of value that don't show up as money. And, and we're, we're going to look at the value equation, which is in our book, yeah. which just happens to be, be here, strategically yeah. on the table here. Yeah. But it's, it's um, uh, it, it, you know, we'll talk about in talking about that. I guess that's what you do when yeah, you're talking yeah. about it is um, talk about um, the fact that profit is a lag indicator mm. of a whole body of other value that you're generating. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of something that we're not necessarily measuring all that well these days. That's right. Uh, and it's particularly important when you think about that, you know, profit is a lag indicator of value yeah. generation. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So then when we talk value, so we've talked generation and value. So value generation is the delivery and capture of value in a system, right? And yeah. it's actually starting to understand how that flows. And as you've said, tracking back to, well, profit is a, a measure of that, but it is a lag indicator of what else is happening in that space. Yeah, um, so that just quickly on yeah. that, the point that I like to reinforce is that imagine a value chain is not just a value chain as a linear concept. Yeah. It's a network. And if you think about it, that everyone delivers value and then they capture value. So it's delivery and capture. Yeah. It's giving and taking of yeah. value. 
And that's a value exchange. Yeah. And, and those nodes in the network, we think of as value partners. Yep. And it's important to understand and to really map through what are those value partners look like. And then finally, when you start to understand that flow of value in systems and with your partners, sustainable value generation is about that continu- the ability to continuously deliver and capture value as conditions change. And that's the critical bit. We've talked conditions before, uh, and there's lots of information and straight talk in the COVID economy about the richness of conditions that are impacting us as organizations and potentially will in the future. So the question is, how do you sustain delivery Mm. and capture of value within ever-changing conditions? That's the core of sustainable value generation. Couldn't say it better. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So that brings us to the why. Why do we talk about value in this way? And I'm going to pass to you to kick this one off. Uh, in part because as the originator of strategy and action, some of this comes from deep experience and testing and probing and pushing around with organizations to really start to understand this stuff. So why do we think about value generation in this way? Well, it's it's sort of, if you think about it, I mean, we don't like to go too deeply into the theory behind strategy and action. But if I was to say that in the simplest terms, a complex system mm-hmm. is a network of uh, capabilities that that are also value exchange it's a value exchange yeah. and from one part to the other of the of the network you find that value exchange is created through just simple purchasing something so when i go into a shop and i buy food i'm i'm taking the value that they've created in the food and buying it through through providing uh, providing money um, so that exchange is happening all the way through that that um, that value chain, but as a value network. Yeah. And understanding that food in the shop didn't just magically appear in the shop. There's no. a whole complex system behind that. that the complex system is. I mean, what, the question we ask is, how many hands does it take to make a sandwich? A sandwich? Yeah. So if you think about it, obviously two hands. I mean, there. I haven't seen a one-handed sandwich artist. Sandwich. You've got to be careful in that these days, mate. <laughs> But, you know, uh, two hands. But you then say, well, hold on, two hands to make a sandwich. What went into the sandwich? Yeah. You know, from the board that you've actually got to make the sandwich on all the way through to the ingredients in the sandwich and the ingredients on the ingredients, you know, right the way from the farmer who created the wheat to make the, the flour. And to the make person the, who created the tractor for the farmer. Tractor, the yeah, farm, yeah, you yeah. know, all of that. There's, it's a very complex system of value exchange, of delivering value yeah. and kept getting value back. And it's, it's, the, um, it's the way that that value is exchanged throughout the whole complex yeah. system that value is generated. And if you are thinking about this in terms of understanding how your value network works, um, you've really got to make sure that there's va- fair value exchanged all the way through. Mm. Otherwise, you might lose one of those people in that, or one of those uh, organizations or nodes in the network, yeah. and you can't get what you want to get for your sandwich. Mm-hmm. So say, for instance, it only takes wheat to be lost and you've got no bread. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, if you're looking at you know, tomato growers, it's the price of a tomato to go into the sandwich. So this little thing called a sandwich is thousands of hands actually make the sandwich happen, but equally they're delivering and capturing value on the way. And if you actually have an, um, a, um, a, an intervention, a disruption in that value network, 
you're going to have a sandwich that's either more expensive or doesn't exist. Yeah. So, you know, these, these networks of exchange are really critical to understand, um, particularly when you're looking at disruption, yeah. because it's not necessarily um, your, um, your end product that you, or your organization you have to concern yourself with. It's where is the value network going to be disrupted yeah. so that I can make sure that I can cover that, mitigate that risk. That, that's right. And understanding that part of the risk for organizations is that what they, where they fit in that network for lots of reasons may no longer be valued, right? And sometimes organizations don't pick that up yeah. fast enough and then someone can come in well, and re, you know, replace, in effect, that set of value and the capability around that and suddenly you don't have a, a business anymore and that does happen. That's exactly. Part of, yeah. I mean, if you only have to look at, say, the education industry today... Mm-hmm where that has always been the occupied by formal institutions. Yep. But, you know, you look at the amount of non-formal, like I'm talking about the education institution, yeah, like a college about, or a university, university yeah. who's supply, supplying um, education these days that is outside. Yeah, that. TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. They're all, all those. Pro- yeah. yeah, we've just done a, a, a piece of work on t- tertiary learning futures. And the, it's the imminent disintermediation or remediation um, of the uh, of the whole tertiary learning yeah. um, value network, but disintermediation of, of universities in a lot of ways. Yeah, so, and, and, and maybe know, just on that term, because I, sometimes in our work we'll use that term and say, "Hang on a minute," just really reinforce what that means for us. So when you're disintermediated in a system, in very simple terms, the value starts flowing around you and doesn't flow through you anymore. Correct. You know, it's like typically where you've got a um, a, um, a wholesaler um, who goes to retailers mm. and that's a value delivered value captured r- relationship mm. in an exchange of value yeah. uh, all of a sudden you've got the wholesaler going online yeah. do they need to use the retail the physical retailer anymore no they don't necessarily mm-hmm. so what you have is a, um, a disintermediation or a me- remediation of the whole network yeah. Because it might be the wholesaler is disintermediated by the the generator of the goods. Then what you can have in a remediation is an aggregator like Etsy, you know, which actually takes a whole bunch of disparate products that may not have been able to made and provides an exchange um, to sell different products. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, that's what you've got with a um, an Amazon these days. It started off as a bookshop, but now you can sell your products through Amazon. So, you know, you really have to be thinking these days different, particularly if you've got a digital product um, or even a a physical product relies on digital um, sales channels. You have to really understand how that works, how that channel is going to um, remain um, useful in terms of generating sustainable value yeah so it's a really interesting subject area that you know pre-digital we didn't necessarily have to think about it in digital terms you definitely have to think about it and you've got to understand what your value network looks like right Mm. and you've got to map it and track the flows of value through that network uh, because then you can work out well what what sort of control do we have or what sort of control don't we have so yeah. that might represent a point of exposure or risk as well yeah and, uh, we'll give you an example um 
we did some thinking work at least with a large uh, farmer on um, insulin. Mm. Now, insulin for those people who know is for diabetes. Yes. Diabetes one, diabetes two. And the old way of doing it was basically you'd test your, your finger yep. and then if you needed an insulin jab, you'd give yourself yep. an insulin jab. Um, you now have little machines that have the insulin inside it and you stick it on you and it can measure your... your yeah. um, and dose appropriately. Dose appropriately. Yeah. What happens to the data with mm. that? Well, it goes to the device manufacturer. It goes to the device manufacturer, not to the insulin manufacturer. Yeah. So, you know, there was a time when the insulin manufacturer had all the data. Now, it didn't have the data. The doctor had the data yeah. if they kept it well enough. Yeah. We know doctors don't necessarily... GPs don't keep data well. Yeah, well... You know, public health systems aren't very good managers of health data uh, to, to the extent that they could be these days. Well, and in the old way of thinking, if you're the manufacturer of insulin, all you really care about is how many units of insulin do we sell and That's what's right. the profitability of that and but don't think about anything what, else. What comes along is a, uh, a way of, of dealing with the condition yeah. that's different. Yeah. And... But you don't know your customers, so all of a sudden you stop using insulin and your, your business is done. Mm. Now, no one would think that of a big farmer. But if you think about the little sort of um, microbots they've got happening now, mm. they can put it into your system. You've got a whole bunch of different things. And the person who supplied the insulin for all of a sudden doesn't know their customers disintermediated straight away. Yeah. It's the same thing with, with the work we're doing with the uh, Royal Australasian College of Surgeons, right? And when we talk disruption with them, and it's easy to talk about, you know, robotic surgery and technology and blah, blah, blah. The big thing that they look at in terms of understanding how value flows in their network is an upstream shift that allows for pre-intervention around a lot of what they operate on, yes. right? So you change the nature of, say, the biochemistry of the body and people for example, don't manifest cancer in the same way yeah. and the, all the cutting the cancers out goes away, yeah. right? That's, again, a, a reshaping of how value flows in the network and who yeah. captures value in a different way. Yes. So, you know, all of these situations are important. Is equal to, you know, if there's a, if there's a you know, a drop-off in electricity uh, production, that impacts a company because if they shut down you know, electricity, mm. electricity provision, you lose all your digital devices yeah. in terms of if you've got computers running in that. So you need a backup device for that. Yeah. Well, what's the backup device for all of those things that you've never really thought that occur in a supply chain? Yeah, absolutely. You only have to look at COVID and what COVID has done to supply chains. That is an intervention into value networks and a supply chain or demand channel is is an intervention and you're, you have lost your business. Yeah. Your business may have been robust as possible, but you weren't managing your value network and looking at sustainable value generation within your value network. And linking back to our last conversation around strategic opportunity risk, understanding systemic disruption, yes. right? That's the critical bit, right? Yeah. So you've got that well managed in the usual way yeah. and you've ignored health as a systemic yeah. disruptor for your traditional yeah. value chain. And to harp on about it, you know, it's Here it an comes. O-ring, Here it comes. O-ring that brought down the space shuttle. <laughs> yes. You know, all that technology by, brought down by an O-ring, which they were constantly warned about, would fail at certain temperatures. Yep. And that's what happened. So, you know, we can't stress more in terms of sustainable value generation is an exchange of value in terms of delivery and capture. Uh, and it's also much more than money. 
Profit is an indicator, a lag indicator of your value generation working. So if you if you aren't making profit, it's because you've not really looked at the value generation um, and the values that you have around that that actually get the profit to happen. Yeah, and one of the things that shows up a lot in our work, you know, we. Uh, when we're taking people through an adoption of strategy and action, this bit is really challenging. Yeah. Um, it's it's in some ways it's the hardest bit of thinking for people to do. Conditions you can you know you can grab that stuff pretty easily. Starting to learn how to identify strategic opportunities, strategic risk, and conditions. There's you know that's again there's a relatively easy path to understanding that. When we get into this, and you know we've got a question here does an organization know what to value and how to deliver that value so they can get return on that value i think the answer to that often is no, no. and when we interrogate this stuff they, we often get sort of a real scratching of the heads moment as we say well what is it that you deliver and what do you capture in terms of value particularly if we say you got to that back to that point you made pro- right. profits a lag indicator so stop thinking about money and start thinking about what else is there. What generates the, mm. p- the surplus? Because all that profit is is surplus yeah. exchanged um, mm-hmm. currency. You know what I mean? It's like a, um, it, 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 it's not necessarily the core value that you've generated. It's, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. And we're going to go into this in a second yeah, in terms yeah. of the value, what we call the value equation, which is, the first iteration, at least, is in Disrupted, our book. That's, that's right. But we've got a bit more complexity into it these days when we do our training. Yeah. Now, just, just before we do that, the other thing that people find challenging is how do you deal with value that's not tangible? You can't yeah. touch it. So what, do, what are your thoughts on that? Don't get me started, David. Well, <laughs> it's, got a, it's got a history to it, uh, measuring intangibles. Mm. Um, and if we go back to um, early... Um, times in terms of measuring a company's worth, you would say, you know, you've got buildings, you've got machinery, you've got that. And then they had this very strange thing called goodwill. Ooh, yes, and yeah. that, was, that was the intangible piece. Um, you might have intellectual property through um, uh, some sort of method or process you've got. Now, that's important. Intellectual property is important. Uh, but it's measured, uh, previously measured, um, at least back in the 20th century, by its ability to generate profit from that intellectual mm. property. So then along came the dot-com boom in the year 2000. Uh, and it really was into the 90s as well. You started yeah. to see valuations of businesses, particularly businesses that were... Um, um, uh, but what you call it, the Amazons yeah, and the, the early digital early, dig, early in, in digital. The 90s, yeah, yeah. No one could actually value them. So what you found is that their um, ability to generate profit wasn't the key measure. It was what the market thought they were worth. Hmm. So you had this big disparity in intangible businesses, like you know measuring. You could measure Apple by machines and that sort of stuff, but what do you do with applications and software? So Microsofts and all those sort of things. So what? What was found was that there was no measure on intangibles. You know, say for instance, Virgin. What was the, the, the what was done there was that very skillfully they took a brand and they they did um, a whole bunch of different applications of that brand, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, to other things other than Virgin Records uh, because it was a well-known brand. And um, uh, that was a, a successful sale of a brand. And, you know, you only have to look at Trump. That's all that Trump's done, sold the brand. Mm. Um, so that's an intangible. How do you measure that intangible? So that was starting to happen. And so there was a lot of work put into, well, we've got to be able to measure intangibles in some way. There's a lot of work done around that to actually make it real in terms of profit and loss statements or uh, so I should say balance sheets, etc. Yeah. So what happened was that worked, worked, was working well. In fact, we were involved, Resilient Futures in this early incarnation, were involved with early measurement of intangibles because that was primarily a business. I mean, if you look at Australia's um, um, investment and it's the amount of jobs it has in the knowledge uh, economy, you know, it's 70% yeah. of our, our, our employment is in the knowledge economy. So we're not necessarily making stuff or we dig stuff up, but that doesn't necessarily where we employ people. Mm. So it's sort of like as soon as you're talking about knowledge economy, you're talking about intangibles. So how do you measure those intangibles? Yep. So um, the um, uh, you know particularly in very subtle things like you know this organisation is a great sales organisation. It's a better sales organisation, or it's a better customer service organisation than this organisation. Yep. And one wins over the other. So you know you have to be able to measure those in some way to value an organisation. So you had this big split on the stock exchange where companies were getting um, multiples on their shares that were just disproportionate to what they were earning. Amazon, say, for instance, and all those sort of things. Then what happened when that sort of started to crash was when Enron happened Mm. and they brought it back to the basics. They basically scuttled any conversation on intangibles and brought it back to, you know... um, uh, Sarbanes Oxley was the the, um, the 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 two people that put it together that said this is how we measure the worth of a company. Now that happened when was that? Early two thousand. Early two thousand. And it was just yeah. after the dot com b- bust. Yeah. You know, two thousand. So everyone went, oh, let's get out of all this sort of stuff. Now we're back there today with, you know, the biggest, you know, Jeff Bezos and Amazon. I think he's just been surpassed by a Chinese. Uh, entrepreneur so you know then it's all about Alibaba and all of those sorts of things and that's gone worldwide but we still don't measure our intangibles well enough Mm. we don't have the mechanisms to measure intangibles but we're back into the murky area of trying to judge the value of organizations based on physical um, elements if you like or physical properties so the, the, that takes you, you know, if you only have to look at the reporting cycle in Australia particularly, very conservative co- um, listed companies largely caught into the listed, big listed trap. Yeah. They have to produce profit. They can't invest in intangibles to get somewhere. Um, you know, you only have to look at the difference, you know, of um, the pay later. Um, yeah, fintechs, after pay, after pay, and, that after pay and all those. They're now the the valuations on those companies. They're billionaires. The guys yeah, that created them, yeah, no. you know, two guys talking across the fence decide to create Afterpay, and they're billionaires today in Australia. Um, and the the exponential change in terms of the value placed on their their intangible value, yeah. because they're still basically a startup, uh, is incredible. 
you know, much bigger returns than you're going to get out of a conventional bank. Yep. So we're back into that murky area again. But you know, that's the one point in terms of valuations of companies. But the, the main thing is putting understanding the value of your organization from a value generation perspective and understanding that profit is a lag indicator. Yeah. So in the big listed trap, you've got no choice. You, you produce your, your quarterlies and then there's your annual reporting season, whether it's in August or so, mm. and it's all about what did you, what, did, what value, what uh, surplus did you create yeah. that you can distribute to shareholders. And with big superannuation funds in there wanting money for those, the, yeah. the uh, baby boomers retirement funds, which has to be excessive to need in a lot of cases. Yes. Um, uh, I'm not having a go at, well, maybe I am. I'm one of those. Oh, yeah, boomer. I can bunch up on my, my tribe, but, you know, you want good return on your money, so you want the money back and the big superannuation. So you've got this wheel turning that reinforces that the only way to value an organisation is through its lag indicator profit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's not necessarily the case in private organisations. So you're going to see the, the, the rapid nature of getting from start-up to private that is going to start to attack yeah. some of these bigger one, bigger organisations, particularly listed companies, yeah. who can't react. They can't take a year off to reinvent themselves yeah. or two years off to reinvent themselves. They have to keep on being, you know, largely squeezing the lemon to get the profit yeah. out of what they have not valued in the past. And dare we say it, that's a very slippery slope to manage adaptive decline. David, if I hadn't taken a cup of coffee then, <laughs> I would have said it. That's managed adaptive yeah. decline. Yeah. And you see it all the time where they're cutting uh, FTEs, full-time employment, yeah. Yeah. to get down and down and down, do more get with costs less. down. More with less? Do or the more same, with less, or the same more with less, less yeah. you know, like... Yeah. And particularly under COVID, is like, you know, we now can send people home. We don't have to mm. go to offices. So we can reduce our office space, et cetera, yes, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. But there's no, you, you don't make money out of reducing costs. Nope. And you don't generate value necessarily out of reducing costs. Now, you can automate. And that brings us to another sort of situation around people. It's like, we really value our people. Yes, we do. Some of those big listed companies, BS. Mm. There's no real value in the people apart from process and competencies, et cetera, et cetera, until we can automate them and remove them. Mm. Now, you know, that, that leads us to a whole different situation where if you think about technology um, and the value it can add or delete from a, an economy is that you have smart for human, yep. which we've all been through. We've all got one of these. Yep. So that's smart for human. But there's also... A lot of stuff in there that's smart as human, which is the next level yeah. of technology. Then the third level is smart, smarter than human. Now that's one that's already in here. Because yeah. this thing can tell me stuff that I could never even think I could make up myself. So, you know, smart for human, yeah, I can do a telephone call on the run. I don't have to take the telephone around with yeah. a big cord. That'd be fun in a car. Um, <laughs> So, you know, smart for human has worked well for us. And we've been able to displace jobs and replace them a lot of times yeah. in the same organisation. Yeah. You know, just think about if you've been in, worked in a bank for 30 years, you went from to a calculator to it, and now you've got a whole process system. Yeah. And the people have just 
transition jobs. And maybe you've got a career for 30, 40 years. Who knows? Um, these days, it's no, not it, you know, smarter than human, smarter as and smarter than human. There's nowhere to go. So people aren't being retrained necessarily in the same organisation. They're being displaced and outplaced, displaced, and then they have to try and get back in. So it's very difficult you know, in itself to value the human yeah. participation in an organisation. But these are things when you have to... Um, the reason why we're going to some detail on a couple of points here is that... Um, when we're thinking about sustainable value generation, yeah. it's three critical words. Continuous. You've got to be able to sustain mm -hmm. value generation. Regardless of what sort of conditions, changes you might be facing. Correct. Well, you've got to know what they are. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're not changing out of change, you're not going to get sustainable value yeah. generation. Yeah. If you don't understand you know, the disruption that's coming, and these days... You know, we used to say disruption, the definition of disruption, and it is a bit two parts, but yeah. the first part is a set of conditions that upsets the... the ability um, to generate sustainable value. The ability to generate sustainable value. Yeah. A set of conditions like the continuity is broken by a discontinuity, so yeah. you can't generate sustainable value. And the blame on that, if you like, or the reason is a set of conditions. Yep. These days we say... It's negligence in not understanding those conditions and modifying. Or failing to act on them. Failing or, to act. Or not paying attention in the first not place. Not paying attention. So it's a two-way street because there's so much information around. I had a conversation with a colleague of mine only on the weekend. And he, I said drones. And he goes, oh, drones, they'll never deliver food and all that stuff. That's all just hocus pocus. And I went, oh, okay. Um, and I'm, I have to think to myself, this is a nice bloke. I'm, I, I don't want to put him down... Too much. Too much, too fast. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, why? And he goes, well, two reasons. You know, what if it's raining and what if it's windy? And I go, okay, well, let me just tell you. There's drones that can come up and go into the water and come out of the water and go up, so forget your rain. Blustery winds, there's drones that will deliver in heavy wind. Yeah. They're putting drones that can actually not fully function, but they can function in, in and around, not inside uh, around around uh, tornadoes and hurricanes. So, you know, uh, they're learning to do this through very, very specific aviation techniques, etc. Yeah. It's something in a lot of what we experience in organisations where there's a, oh, they'll never be able to do this. I think the thing I yeah, keep finding times? myself yeah. saying to people is maybe you should put a yet on the end yet. of that, right? Yeah. Because understanding well, exactly yet, that, yet. they're experimenting. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know yet. Yeah, that's right. Not like they're not going to be able to do that yet. It's like... They're not, I don't know that they can do that yet. That's right. And, you know, I just looked yesterday that they are able to reproduce identical breast milk based on the, the, um, the DNA of the mother mm. um, in a lab. Right. Now, you, you hear those, those I, we hear in our conditions analysis watching every day we hear 20 of those every day. Yeah. And then we have little to Little signals. Little about. signals, weak signals coming in the conditions. And you look at it and you go, um, formula, milk, mm. baby formula, five years. Yeah. You know, maybe 10, but watch out if you're investing in baby formula. Uh, and you only have to look at China and its utilisation of baby formula. 
um, it's like sucking the um, the produce out of Australia to get good quality baby formula. Yeah. But you know, then you you look at all of the little things and you put all those little bits together, and you see real exponential change. Yeah. And you know, it's the challenge of every organisation to be sustainable. You know, and if we look at it in terms of the technology, that's only one part. Yeah. You know, what do you do for in terms of social cohesion? Now, you know, the world is in a pretty bad state at the moment from a social cohesion perspective. Yeah, it's hanging together only just. Well, you know, you look at the US and you, we've, well, you, yeah. you yeah. were you misfortunately born there, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, like the social cohesion there is breaking down. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a, uh, a, a solid um, um, nation in terms of who it, who it is as it knows itself. Yeah. And you only have to take people's work away from them or threaten them. And that's why you've got 50% of people voting for a Trump, for a populist, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not suggesting there's Armageddon, but it's, you can't have social cohesion unless people are socially, economically um, up to a standard um, um, uh, looked after. Yeah. So you only have to look at you know, unemployment in the Middle East is one of the main creators of the issues you've got in the Middle East. So, you know, we can go on about social cohesion as well. But you have to be able to look at the main thing is planet reliability. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a good segue into really starting to understand what does the value equation look like, right? Because the critical thing, I think, for anyone thinking um, about sustainable value generation, and if you're a strategist, that's kind of what you should be thinking about all the time, right? That's the end game, sustainable value generation. Mm -hmm. Um, So interrogating, learning to interrogate what does this look like through a value equation can unlock a much more powerful view than of where can you sort of intervene in your own system to enable yourself to sustain value generation, particularly in the face of those changing conditions. And interestingly, given that you've mentioned planet reliability, um, that's the first bit when we map out the value equation. It's one of the first things we talk about. So maybe we can flip across to how do you really interrogate value through the value equation? Well, you know, um, uh, for those that are listening on the the um, podcast, so mm. you're not going to be able to see the value equation. Yeah. Those on the um, uh, vodcast, uh, I'm sure Theo can organise to put the slide yeah, up when yeah. we discuss this. Yeah, yeah. But it's a pretty clear um, this plus that plus that plus that equals such and such. And we'll go through it and try and illustrate it as best we can. Um, Remembering this is illustrative, not prescriptive, right? Because it's understanding the different elements that sit within the value equation, understanding that this isn't necessarily everything that you no, could uncover right. yeah. and how you combine those different elements yes. enables you to create, yeah, to and generate different forms of value. There's a synergy in this yeah. as well. There's like a, a um, uh, you know, one plus one doesn't equal two in a value yeah, equation. That's right. If you get the things in, equally the other way around, is that one plus one might equal minus five. Yeah, if you get you it put wrong. two things together that don't work. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the first, the first one that we have here is a reliable planet. Pretty hard to generate value without that, isn't yeah. it? Like, You've only got, we've only got one. Yep. You know, I don't think Elon is going to get there fast enough 
or Jeff, whoever it is, sending the rockets up to Mars. To Mars, and I'm not too sure how many people will be able to get on the first. Or how ship reliable and blah, Mars blah, blah, blah. is for. And don't forget, you know, like we're only talking about, you know, uh, you know colonies on Mars because we've got a second planet, um, aren't necessarily going to be there for eight billion people. No. Um, uh, in fifty years. Nope. No. <laughs> So, but what you say to people is like, well, it's not you. It ain't, it ain't me. It ain't you. It isn't necessarily those guys. These could guys be. could Maybe. be, you know. But it'll be your grandkids, your kids, and your grandkids. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they are the ones that we're putting this load on in terms of planet reliability. Yeah, yeah. and but, and we've shifted the thinking to planet reliability because climate change just isn't getting cut through, right? No, there's the, the no, deniers like and there's the blah, blah, blah. Warming, and, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It's yeah. like we've got to make it visceral to organisations yeah. and the people in organisations. And that, that This planet is not reliable for, what for your organisation, yeah. for sustainable value generation and more so for your kids and your grandkids. And, and it, in that message... Your family. Yeah, and it gets cut through, right? When you ask yeah. a business leader... Do you require a reliable planet to generate value? Whatever it is that you do, they go, hadn't thought about it before, but yes, I do. And is the planet in its current form reliable for that? Again, hadn't thought about it before, but no, no, it's not. Well, we're working on a paper at the moment. Mm. It'll be out. We've just released, we're releasing tertiary learning futures. And our next paper is with Richard Haynes, looking at planet planet reliability and specifically a planet reliability index. That's right. So, you know, watch this space for that. But yeah. we want to be able to measure it. You only have to think about it. If you're um, uh, looking at farming, you know, well, you've, got, you've got flood and you've got... You've got um, uh, well, it, it, beyond farming, let's make it relevant to everyone. So a zoonotic uh, disease is something that can jump from uh, uh, another species to, uh, humans. to a human. Yeah. You know, we're both animals, but, you know, and... We think about it and we go, well, that doesn't happen. But, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Now, that was SARS and MERS, it was zoonotic. Uh, also, and they're variants of corona. Bird flu. Bird flu. Also, the, the, the problem they had up in Queensland with horses. Yep. Uh, that, that, this is happening all over the world, where these, particularly with, a, with planet reliability, the permafrost melting and all of that stuff starting to emerge it hasn't emerged before yes so planet reliability is critical and if it you're is. going to be look at sustainable yeah. value generation yep. the next uh, grouping we have really is people yeah you know and we whilst we are saying that technology is going to impact particularly rules based and ai yep. and yep. machine learning we also got to think about automation you've yep. got to think about a whole bunch of different stuff You've got to understand getting the people and getting the people involved in their own future of work is going to be critical. Yeah. You know, most learning and development, particularly in large listed companies, is compliance training, yeah. not teaching people how to create a career for themselves inside the organisation. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have a program called Owning Your Future Work, which really is about getting people to be the centre of their own future work. Yeah, so that they don't rely on the organisation, and that means a cost down for the organisation, yeah. but they're responsible themselves yeah. for actually understanding where they fit in the whole industry or in the whole world, but particularly inside the organisation. Correct. But it's about getting thinking people. 
Yep. You know, we've just done yep. a thing with chartered accountants on talent, the right talent, understanding that talent is different to skills. And looking at skills, you can, you can teach people skills. It's very hard to find the right talent at times, particularly when it's suppressed a lot of times by the education system. Yep. Yep. So, you know, there's that. There's the ability to change. Yeah, really important, yeah. isn't there? Particularly yeah. we're talking change ahead of change. Yeah. If your people don't have the ability to change after change, which is a big problem for a lot of organizations, what do we yeah. do to get them into a change ahead of change yeah. headspace, mind, mind, mindset? You know, yeah. that's really important. And, you know, um, unfortunately, my glasses aren't working. This, the third point there. Values, values, right? Values. Their values. Sorry. And is there alignment? Yeah, it's, it's your values alignment to the value proposition. Yeah. So yeah. if you're putting out there bank more than money or um, supermarket, the fresh food people, mm. you've got to be able to go to your people and say, do you believe that? Because you can't advertise something and expect people on the front line to deliver it mm. if they don't believe it. You know, um, we're here for you. You know, Really? You know, so value propositions you're putting out through advertising. We live in your world. We live in your world. I mean, I went up, this is a particular bank. We went up to the, the uh, it was my bank. And I went up and I went, so how's my world doing to the teller? The person goes, pardon? I go, well, how's, how am I doing? We live in your world. Oh, that's just the advertising. Ah, oh, is it? And, you know, they expect those people to sell me product mm. when they don't believe the proposition themselves. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily align with their values. Yes. Right. And we are tracking, uh, you know, a shift. More and more people making decisions that align with their values. Absolutely. And showing up, showing Particularly up millennials. Yeah, correct. I don't want to work for you because I don't believe in your values. Yeah, that's right. And the final one there, not final, but the next one is faith and belief. Is like, you know, people have faith and belief systems. Yep. And you have to understand those to make sure that you can work with them. And they don't, they're not always going to be the same, you know, whether it's a religious faith belief or a, a, a green faith or belief. Science. Or science, yeah. whatever, the faith and belief. Faith and belief systems are important mm. because largely they're the, what plays out the person's values. Yeah. So, you know, the, the planet first, yes. planet reliability plus people, you know, their ability to think, the talent and the skills they've got, the ability to change, their values and their faith and belief systems. Yep. Those are critical things to understand and not to treat them just as a compliance thing to fulfill a particular Ford, Henry Ford-based function. And it, that's right. And understanding, as we've said previously, if profit is a lag indicator of value generation, if you don't unpick this stuff to understand where it fits, you might ignore it, you might discard it unintentionally, et cetera, et cetera, and not understand how the one plus one plus one equals 17 rather than three. Yeah. Because you've let something go because you didn't value it. Yeah. Yep. So the next point there, we have access to capital. Now, this is important. You know, an access to capital could be access to resources. I mean, at the moment, the only way you can get resources into an organization is through capital. You yep. have to buy those in. Yep. Access to, ca access to ca um, capability comes through access to, cap to capital. Uh, and that's a really important thing if you're thinking about sustainability. What is your access to capital going to be into the yeah. future? And it's one of the big problems, say, for instance, in Australia, because our new business startups and all that don't have good access to capital. We don't have a very good angel funding and blah, blah, blah in the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Australia. So rely on banks. Now, banks are mostly the worst thing you can do 
in term, have in terms of access to capital. They're just not good at funding business. They mm. say they are and it gets back to values of, of a banking system is not conducive to what the reality of business is. So, you know, that, and you look at the fintechs that are starting up there, they're able to provide you based on your statement, yeah. um, statement data, uh, you know, and even um, um, uh, some of the, um, the other little uh, transactional fintechs are providing small loans to small business. Yep. Yep. You know, access to capital is important. But when it's stunted economically through a banking system, you're not going to get growth of startups. Yeah. So, you know, but once, once again, from a, I, we value access to capital. Um, the next part is... Capability. Capability. Yeah, is what, in all its forms. In all its forms. And we've, we've, you'll talk about that in the capability section of strategy and action. Yeah, and we'll also, I suspect, at some point this year, be doing a straight talk in the COVID economy where we do a bit of a deeper dive into capability because yeah, it's critical. Absolutely, because yeah. capability management is not done well. No, and particularly the, aligning to conditions. Particularly aligning to conditions, but also understanding in terms of the capability matrix. Yes. You know, knowing how what part of the matrix you invest in, whether it's hygiene-based fundamental capability whether it's um, industry, industry standard. standard capability or whether it's value-adding over industry standard, right. which is the comp- comp- competitive zone. And knowing you need different people and different thinking to be able to really manage capability. And you're investing in capability and you're actually leveraging capability all the time yeah. in sync with conditions to generate sustainable value. Yep. So that's a critical part. Yep. The next bit we come to is like, this is where I might... This is where the rant might have. Yeah, I thought it might. Basically, what we're talking about is value networks. Yep. Not necessarily your markets. No. When you treat them as markets, they're like a... a, a, um, a, a, It's very transactional. It's very transactional, but it's separated from the heart of the organization. And, you know, you have to look at it as a value network. That's critical to understand. With interdependencies, right? Interdependencies yeah. in the value network. But we're talking about, the, say, the demand side yeah. of an organisation. Yeah. There's interdependencies in Absolutely. there. Absolutely. But apart from that, this is your, these are your people. Yeah. You've got to look after them. That's why, isn't that why we've had this great revelation in the last few years that we'll actually do customer-centric strategy, right? Because oh, from the banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we went to one bank in another state that we're not in. And they said our big innovation transformation team is we're working on customer centricity. It's not just the banks. It's lots, I know. lots of it's organizations. Like, oh, you're just realizing that their customer is pretty important. Pretty hey. important. <laughs> but you know, um, and you, you know, you look at the the two things, other things in this particular section, are, um, bond, sorry, brand, and bond. You know, I've it's only been in my lifetime that uh, branding has become a thing. Well, dare I say it, you might have been a part of that at one point. I was a part of that in terms of brand development Mm. and looking at brand. But, you know, now we have personal brands. Mm. You know, I'm a Kardashian, you know, that's a brand. You know, and I heard someone say when when the um, Essendon Football Club had the, um, that's an Australian rules football club for overseas people. Bit of an issue with some... Um, well, you know, let's not go into the issue. But I heard the, um, the CEO get up there and say, we know it's attacked the brand. And it's like some disembodied thing called the brand off there. No, this is the club. Yeah, and the people. And the people that are, you know, the customers of the club and the suppliers of the club. And the, you know, and, yeah. and what we have to say, yeah. well, the brand is important. You know, 
um, being able to look at, oh, what a feeling, and go, oh, that's Toyota. Or, you know, even though that's a bit of BS, but to a certain extent, you know, oh, I get a great, you've got a Toyota, haven't you? I do. Oh, I've got a great feeling. <laughs> oh, what a feeling. Is it, every every you know, day. But you know, how many cars have you had? And you go, oh, what a feeling in a new car. Mm. But okay, that's what they pitched, and that's sort of okay. It's, uh, it, let's say that that value property is a lot better than the fresh food people. You'd be f- struggling to find fresh food in those places. And once, you, once you get past the opening and you get the fruit and veg, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, how long has the fruit and veg been sitting there? I don't think it's fresh. Well, <laughs> dare I say. But, you know, you can talk about a brand is a way of actually identifying something quickly, you know. So yeah. it's, it's not a problem to have a brand. Yeah. But what's but maybe more important is the bond. Correct. Is the way that people bond with you. Yeah. I'm bonded to you, not just because you've got vendor lock in, I can't go anywhere else. You know, like, you know, um, there's no alternative with, say, Microsoft Office. No real alternative. Not really, no. That's vendor lock in. A, a, a software vendor saying we now have you locked in and to a certain extent I'm locked into Apple mm. um, and that's okay but be very careful because you're still bonding with the client now I, I have a personal belief that since Steve Jobs left the, the old bond has been a bit abused mm. so yeah you, you know when someone's bonding with you in a value network you've got to be really careful that you look after them yeah. because They'll, these days, you're prepared to take a bit of BS around brand. Yeah. You know, if you're prepared to believe, you know, more than money and fresh food people, you know, that, then that's sort of okay because you can live with that. But a millennial might not live with that. Mm. Particularly, but, you know, you might get away. But do not screw the brand, the bond. No, particularly as people start making yeah. decisions aligned to their values. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll be disintermediated like that in a value network as soon as yeah. someone comes along. You know, you only have to look at um, some of the telcos and the way they abuse their brand and they abuse the bond. You know, with big statements they make about broadband. You know, we've never had broadband until the NBN came along. We had, we had 256K ADSL2 or something like that, or we're not 256. Anyway, don't get me started on that whole section. Yes. The- then we go into... Processes, processes, IP, systems, IP. All, all the things that sort of the gears that grind and keep the whole thing yep. moving. Yeah, particularly, you know, processes in terms of how can you make your processes better? Yeah. You know, they're hygiene capability largely. Mm. You know, they're a fundamental capability, but you've got to have your processes working. Yeah, and I think one to really call out in here in addition to that is the IP question, right? How exactly. often do we discover in organizations unique IP that they don't even know exists, yeah. right? And they don't value it. They don't look at how they can use it to generate value beyond yeah. what it's kind of doing in the background because it's just there and they take yeah. it for granted. Well, you know, if you haven't got some sense of unique IP in your offering, there's a good chance you'll be disintermediated. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, if you're just a, a, a industry standard capability organization and you can be that you know you can do industry standard what everyone else does really well you know i mean give or take the the quality if you like of a of the the supermarket chains they do it pretty well Mm. in terms of processes but there's no real unique ip they buy in chef online and chef this that and you you know this is Mary Jones yeah, doing yeah. her cooking yeah. thing, all of that, which is just branding stuff. And the reason they're there is mainly because of process. There's no real distinct value yeah. in their intellectual property. 
um, one is the other, you know, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, uh, now uh, they have an unassailable sort of um, position in the market, mainly because of their strength and their buying power, and they're already there. Yeah. Um, but if you're an organisation that doesn't have that, you're just doing what everyone else does, you've got an issue. Yeah. So intellectual property is important. And then when we think about all those individual components and we start pulling them together, right, in a value delivery, value capture mindset, we then start to get some return on investment. Some financial gain. Yeah, and so there is financial gain, understanding that those different bits of the value equation are combining in different shapes and forms and some of that happens just because it's part of what an organization does. And some of it, we're more thoughtful about where do we intervene to reshape yep. that. So we get that. And then that return on investment is either reinvested back to the people who put the money in in the first place, yep. like the shareholders, yep. or it's reinvested into those other parts yep. of the value equation. That's right. That's right. And, and then... The world goes around. It does. So just reiterating, planet number one, people, yep. access to capital, capability... Bond, Bond, value network with a bit of branding thrown in, processes, products, IP, IP etc. equals financial gain, return on investment, feedback. That 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 it's not. We're not saying that's not a feedback loop in there that tells you you you're, it's working okay, but it's a lag indicator of the other values working. Yeah, that's and right. And then you reinvest back in, but you've got to be able to at least have some way. That's why the PRI, the Planet Reliability Index, is going to be important to understand where do we sit in terms of our opportunity and risk assessment yeah. of our planet reliability. Yeah. You've got to be able to measure your people. You've got to be able to measure your access to capital. How are we going to be able to get capital? You've got to measure capability. You've got to measure bonding. You know, how bonded are we to That's clients? Right. Yeah. And then you those are things you can measure yeah. in some shape or form. And then what you got to really look for in strategy and action is what's the feedback telling you? Yes. Particularly when it comes to things like product, IP, your people, etc. Yep. Where are you going next yep. to continue to sustain value generation when you land this in a conditions view? Yep. So look, there's heaps more on how do you really dig around in the value equation in the book, and of course in a lot of our online learning opportunities, right? Yes. Through yes. Uh, foundations for strategy and action and strategy and action quick start which are great opportunities to to dive a little bit more into these concepts and then lift up your capability to practice strategy and action on an ongoing basis so to conclude today's podcast um let's just bring a bit of something to where does this then start to connect values and value generation so i think we should starting with watch what you value yes um I think um, it's a, a critical thing that we find, not just at the value generation or the organizational value side of things, but at the values side of things. Watch what you value, which sort of equals watch what you promise. Yeah. Because that's where you're gonna get caught out. If you're mm-hmm. promising stuff that you don't value, you got a problem. That's right, or that your networks don't value, yeah. or that yeah. doesn't align yeah. with people's values, yeah. you've got real issues. And that feeds back into your value uh, inside the organisation, your, your value network inside the organisation yeah. with cognitive dissonance, yeah. knowledge, behaviour, conflict. Yeah. We say we value this, but we don't really do it in behaviours. Yeah. That has been a big issue with banking. Mm. 
It's a big issue with nutritious food. Well, dare I say it's a big issue with aged care at the moment. It's a huge issue with aged care. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, like it's and it, it it it's a huge issue in politics. Mm. We value this, but it doesn't show up. Yeah. Um, uh, to a certain extent, a huge issue in the health system. You know, where we value eyes, but we don't invest in eyes. No, we invest, we invest in, in fashion, the frames. You know, it's it. It's a joke, really, when you think how important the eyes are, but and the teeth. How oh, what about the these and the ears? Yep. You know, we work in these these industries. We know how they are not treated well. No. Uh, these these health sectors, parts of the health sector. So you know, you really have to understand that our values have to align to our values generation. That's just what we're going to generate sustainably. Yeah. Plus, also, we have to understand that people have cognitive dissonance, knowledge, behavior, conflict, if that's yeah, the case. Absolutely. You know, organizational authenticity, mm. critical. Now, there's one thing I want to wrap around all of this is um, um, that when disruptive change occurs, what we relied on informationally, knowledge-wise, tends to tends to become less functional. In terms like. of the historical reliability. Yeah, historical what, yeah, reliability. Yeah. The historical perspective is not as reliable as it used to be. No. So you've got this malaise of disorientation because it's like, what's going on? What's, I don't understand. We used to this. do this and this used to work and the, hang on, it's the not the same. The only and... thing that you can hang on to as an organisation as people is values. Yeah. What is it that I value? So if you've promised stuff, it's sort of like more than money when everything's going to hell and you know, everyone needs capital and you go, no, you can't have any. Mm. You can't have any money. There's no access to capital for you. You go, well, hold on. I thought it was about more than money. I thought it was about more than money. And now I, I need support. Aged care, we look after you. You are so valuable to us in your aging years that we don't use the best technology. We don't provide Good, best food. nutritious food. Yeah. You know, I mean, I heard, and he's a sort of a colleague of mine say, who's a leader of a, a large organisation, association around her, um, aged care. So something that I asked him on Four Corners, well, you're giving them um, fish fingers and well, what more? They don't do much. What more do they need? And it was, I know what he meant. Yes. And, you know, yeah, but it, it was. was like such a, not a values-based thing. No, kicking the guts. To not give aged care people the right sort of nutrition uh, and even if you you are, but you gave them fish fingers, just you know. So the point being that we are in disruptive change, and you've got to reassess what it is that your organisation values, that is sustainable, and make sure it aligns to the values of the people you're working with. And then you have to absolutely have to. There's no like, oh, it'd be nice to do this. You got to look to the emerging conditions and understand what is likely to disrupt that. Uh, not 10 years from now, but, you know, emerging conditions could hit you next week, yes. right? To really understand what is emerging, be clear about the opportunity and risk in that context so you can start changing now so that you are able to sustain value generation in, in effect come what may, right? Yes. And we, we just find time and time again that people are not paying attention to what is emerging and what they think is the future is often happening right now. So you've got to have that view. But that gets back to the basis of disruption. The condition, you know, like we yeah. can guarantee you that the conditions are coming that are going to disrupt your organisation. Yeah. If you don't, and you're more than like your job. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd say 
definitely coming to upset your organisation, definitely coming to disrupt your job. They're, they're coming. They're present and they're here. Yeah. They're just emergent, haven't necessarily come into the main... Um, the main uh, game, yeah. Main game. Yeah. Um, and the disruption is not with the conditions. It's in with your ignorance or failure to understand or whatever it is which then uh, that becomes the disruption that you right. experience which means you become disoriented yes and it takes time to reorient yes. when you should be reorienting before yes. the disorientation happens yeah. and then you're yeah. changing ahead of change and these things are exponential yes that is oh there's nothing really happening we're hearing all this isn't it amazing i love this stuff oh that's happening or breast milk from Davo. or you know whack yeah. Then it comes mainstream. It's the elbow that we're going through at the moment, this bit here, that you've got to prepare for. Yeah. And it's pretty hard to do it when the changes are up here. You know, if it's down here, you go, well, what's the reason for change? You can't get the evidence. In here, you can start to see it. When it kicks up like that, that's but, when you have to, 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 that's when you have to do it and you're playing catch up. And sometimes the cost of playing catch up exceeds our yes. ability to do yeah. it. Yep. So a final couple of thoughts before we conclude today's podcast. Some rules around this, right? So in terms of really understanding value generation in a network, there's three simple rules that we think people really need to think about and understand. Well, these are sort of outcomes. Once you're able to understand the value equation, you're really able to work the, the, um, the system that is value generation, sustainable value generation. That's where these three rules start to be able to be higher level, yes, if yeah, you like. Yeah, yeah. They're higher level um, rules, you know, because if you haven't got the fundamentals in place of, you know, your um, value, value equation. equation. Hard to play in this it's space. It's hard to play in this space. Yeah. And that, the first, well, David, you end today's Well, the, the three simple rules. Own your network, right? And that starts bond. with, yeah, bond with your network, but it starts with actually doing some work to map it and understand it, right? Because yeah. if you don't map it and understand it, it's pretty hard to own your territory, right? Yeah. So own your territory and do it authentically with bonding, right? Yeah. That's critical, number one. Two, Better branding's okay. Yeah. Better yeah. Brand, branding is like the packaging on the present, you know? Yeah. You know, there's a wedding ring inside. That's the bond, mm. hopefully. Yes. And then, but you've got the little little thing it comes in that's yes. the brand yeah yep absolutely yeah. so that's one two own your ip and it's the same thing again you got to dig around and understand what is the unique ip that we have created over time yeah. do we value it that do we IP's understand it's got to be based on the emergent conditions that's right yeah and that yeah, yeah. understanding that and playing it into those emerging yeah. conditions right and understanding in lots of businesses where they think they have unique IP, maybe they don't. Yeah. And if they don't, uh, help, we'll harken back to, again to education and certain forms of education. The, who owns the unique IP in tertiary learning, for example? Mm, good question there. Yeah. Um, so if that's what you're hanging on to, uh, that's very easy to disrupt, yeah. right? Because there's, there's some, but not a lot yeah. of unique IP. And the last is really on the data. And then that again, feeds back into the system. That enables the creation of new product service, new forms of value generation, and so on. It also creates the potential to lock in value yeah. generation within your networks, yeah. right? Because you're using that data to constantly refine what you offer yeah. rather than just imagining that it's going to stay fixed forever. Always, always based on emerging conditions. And with that, 
the final and sort of salient lesson, if you like, for today around sustainable value generation is when the conditions change, we must change as well. There's no option in that apart yeah. from a decision to go into managed adaptive decline. So if the conditions, and the condi- not if, when the conditions change, because they always do, you've got to be able to reshape very quickly, pivot fast, yes. so that you continue to generate sustainable value. And hopefully you don't have to pivot because you've already changed ahead of change. Yes, good point. Very good point. So in closing, um, we'd just like to say thank you um, to you. Thank, oh, thank you. you, David. Yes, thank you. Thank you to you. Yes, thank you to our yeah. uh, colleagues and friends yeah. who tune in uh, regularly to Straight Talk in the COVID economy. And of course, most importantly, thank you to Theo and to Max for the great work they do in the background uh, producing this podcast. Uh, yes. Until and next time. But just a quick call out oh, yeah. um, to all the people that are listening or watching who are in lockdown in Victoria yes, right now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Go well, well stay safe. Well, stay safe. And this is the COVID economy. And get ready for the next one. <laughs> there ain't no checking out of the COVID economy. No, no, it's here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, here endeth the lesson for today. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this Straight Talk in the COVID Economy podcast. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. For more free content that will enhance your understanding of this new COVID economy and the actions that you can take to leverage disruptive change, join the Resilient Futures Network at www.resilientfutures.com slash get started. And please support our partner, Impact Africa Network at www.impactafrica.network. We need all the support we can to help them build their own incubator. We know that there are many other great podcasts out there and your time is precious and you chose to listen to Straight Talk in the COVID Economy. And we appreciate that. Thank you.